Well, I'm excited this morning about the Word of God and about the message that the Lord has laid on my heart. Last week, you know, I scribbled a bunch on this board, and it worked out pretty cool, I think, how the Lord kind of showed us how the Scriptures are so perfectly threaded and, and wound together in such a way that if you pull on one string in Genesis, you'll see it move in Revelation. That's called biblical theology, and I love it. I really do love it. When I was earlier in my faith, not that I'm, I'm still pretty young in my faith, but earlier when I, was, when I was just starting to understand the scriptures and just starting to understand even the slightest bit of theology, I really could only grasp a type of, of systematic theology because I needed those categories to see how everything kind of worked, worked by itself, and then you could see how it worked with other things. But I think, and, and some people may do that opposite than me, I don't know, I'm just telling you from my personal experience, but as I started to learn the systematic theologies and the different ways people understood different subjects in the scriptures or different truths in the scriptures like, like the deity of Christ or justification, sanctification, so on and so forth, is that the more I, I got a better and a broader understanding of, of those things in the biblical text and the more I read the scriptures through several times and, and allow the Lord to start to speak through those scriptures and what happens, at least in my case, is that I, I started to see those those particular topics and subjects and doctrines start to be tied together by the, by the Bible as a whole or the meta-narrative, this big picture idea, <coughs> which, which is kind of what we're going to go through in our biblical overview class. It's only going to be, I think that class is only six weeks, five or six weeks. And so it's not going to be a, a huge amount of detail, but we'll kind of broadly go from Genesis to Revelation showing the, the, the general understanding of each genre or each section of the scriptures and then ultimately how that teaches us of Christ and how it points to Christ because Jesus taught that all of these teach about me. And so I'm excited about that. But, but one good thing I've, I've noticed about Revelation, one amazing thing really that I've noticed about Revelation is just how biblically, theologically sound and good it is at helping to tie the Old Testament with the New Testament and the whole thing, just tie the whole thing together. And I didn't, I never planned that. As, as most of you know, and some of you better than others, I'm a terrible planner. I don't plan, as a matter of fact. I just, if it comes up and I think the Lord's leading it, I'll do it, right? Sometimes that gets me in trouble. Sometimes it, 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 it makes things go great. But I don't plan, look at Mike, he's back there laughing. His body is heaving. He's laughing so hard. Because he knows I don't plan. And those of you who know me and love me, you pick up my weak spots and we make each other better. I just, this just the way God made me. So I say all that to say, I didn't realize, I didn't even know this when I taught that series on the tabernacle. And it was good, I thought. I learned so much on that series on the tabernacle. And I know not all of you are here in that series on the tabernacle, but we went through the tabernacle and we saw what each individual piece of furniture or, 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 or item in the tabernacle, what it meant. And not just what the items meant or what they represented or how they functioned within the context of the Old Testament, but how they pointed to Christ and the general layout of the tabernacle. And I'm saying this for a reason because you saw last week how the throne room in heaven overlays the tabernacle that was here on earth. And the temple kind of does the same thing. And so what we see is God is very, he's very consistent in how he reveals to us and what he is teaching us that he's not really showing us anything new. He's just giving us greater revelation on an already existing matter which is really, really cool because it does two things. One, it helps us to understand that reality better because that is a realistic historical fact in the Old Testament that there was a tabernacle, it was laid out this way, this is what they did, but it shows us a greater significance to that tabernacle and it shows us the grand scheme of things. So one, it helps us to understand the historical reality of the fact that that actually was, okay? But two, it shows us the greater significance and what it means in the grand scheme of things and how even that tabernacle can be applied to our lives, which is amazing to me. Because other than, uh, apart from that, we read the Old Testament and we think, well, this was for the Israelites. This was for the Jews. This was for the people of God then. What significance does this have of me except for historical information that you might need to know because this is your heritage or something like that, which I do agree. It is historical, factual information that we need to know because it really is our heritage. 
heritage as Christians, but it's more than that. It's applicable to us today. And that's what we're going to see. Well, that's what we saw last week. We started to see last week as we saw the throne room in heaven overlays the tabernacle here on earth that was revealed in the Old Testament. And we saw how Jesus Christ, in the same way, fulfills all of those functions, bringing salvation to us the same way he pictured it to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Does all that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it's getting deep, and I know it goes. I know it goes down. I try to make it applicable as much as I can to to those of you who just walked in right off the street. I understand that you've you know you've not been here and everything. So we're going to try to make today as applicable as possible. But I want to show you a few more things that is really neat, really cool. But the general truths should hit it home. So just hang on, take as many notes as you can. Let's learn from the scriptures, and let's don't just do motiv good motivational type. Go get on, you know, speeches. But let's really learn the Bible, okay? I really do believe it's the power of God for salvation and training and equipping and all those types of things too. So before we do any of that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing here today. Not just here today, God, but what I've seen you doing in the past several months. God, I'm seeing a people who are hungry for the word of God. They, they don't like just cliche sayings and platitudes and all these types of other uh, motivational type stuff. Lord, we get excited, we get passionate, but, but what I have seen, God, and I'm so thankful, I'm so encouraged by it, I'm also pushed by it, is that these guys have a hunger for the deep things of God. And, and, and I've, I've been concerned before, Lord, that they may not be grasped that, but uh, to my amazement, people come and they say, "Don't you let off the gas? Don't you let off the gas? I want, even if I, it's hard for me, I want to, I want to be pushed. I want to get into the Word. I want to be transformed." And so, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do His job because I am but a man, and I will, I will kind of blunder my words sometimes, and I'm not the best teacher in the world, but You are, and the Holy Spirit, You. Holy Spirit, you're the one that said that you will bring to remembrance all things that we need, and you will teach us all things. So, God, as I lay out the Word of God, best I know how, and, 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 and the clearest I see it, Lord, I pray that you would take that, you would write it on our hearts, that you would cause us to walk in your ways and obey your statutes, and that you would cause us to be made alive again through your Word that brings life to us to us in, in no uh, merit of our own. So help us, God, to see you more clearly, to know you better, and to walk in your ways uh, as if we were walking for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. As we all stand to our feet in reverence of God's word, we will read the section that we're going over today. Amazingly, I think I might get through like five or six verses today. <laughs> what's, what's so funny about that? He's like, man, I was hoping to eat lunch. All right, we're going to start in Revelation chapter 4, uh, the second part of verse 6, and I'm going to read through 11, and I think I may cover that today. We'll see. Uh, verse 6, uh, we, we talked about the crystal sea, and then right there in 6b, we'll start. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. So I guess what I want to start out by doing is, and I hadn't planned this either. When I, when I ask the Lord to help me preach, I just say, I'm going to study, study the hound out of this text, and you just kind of bring to mind what you want me to say. Because if I, I've tried to take notes, and I've tried to read from notes before, and we're here a lot longer, I promise, okay? Because I feel like I've got to preach everything I put down, so you're better off this way. All right, so what we looked at last week, we'll kind of make a little... 
And I'm not an artist. I don't claim to be, and that's okay. So here's the throne, okay? Last week we talked about the throne and the things that were situated right around the throne, and we talked generally about what those things were for. And when we look at the jasper and carnelian and the rainbow that was like an emerald, we see this, this, this glory that's emanating uh, out from the throne and he who is seated on the throne. And, and the curious thing is, is the one that is seated on the throne is said to be God, but we see Christ sitting on the throne. We see the Father sitting on the throne, and we see the Holy Spirit all about the throne, in and out of the throne, and he is making a way to the throne. So we see this is a very good picture, a very good, clear picture of the Trinity of God, who all three are seated on the throne. They take up the throne, but Jesus Christ is the one from which the, radiate, the, the glory is radiating by the word of God and by, the, and by the, uh, the, the means and the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is a, a Trinitarian uh, a picture here of the the radiance and the glory of God bursting forth from the throne, okay? And so we talked about that. We talked about the jasper and the carnelian and the, and the emerald rainbow, how it was meant to magnify that glory so that it would, it would come out. It comes out hot and heavy. It comes out hard, but then it hits this jasper and carnelian, and it's almost like a magnifying glass, and then poof. It, it, it fills the whole heavens. It fills the whole earth. It fills up everything. In Isaiah 6, Ezekiel chapter 1, we see this same type of idea as his train fills, the, the train of his robe fills the temple, or the smoke starts rising and fills the temple. We see this glory just, just bursting out. And, and as Christians, as believers, we said this applies to us because as we come into the presence of the Lord, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more time we spend with God Almighty, the more time we spend in the Word and in, in prayer, in meditation, the more, we, the more we radiate the fullness of the glory of God. Just like Stephen, just like Moses, when he went up on the mountain and his face shone so bright, he said, the people said, put a veil over. We can't stand to see that, Right? And, and, and he had this glory just radiating off of him. It's kind of the same thing. And we know that the only way that we can approach the throne by what we've already read is through grace, which was signified by the rainbow that surrounds the throne. And then the only way that we can experience the grace is by what? The Holy Spirit that allows us to be recognized and, and allows us through faith to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our, our sin debt, who, who, who paid the way that we might be ushered into the presence of God by what? By the cross. You remember the glass sea that's around the throne as well. You cannot get to the throne without going to the, the, through the glass sea, which is a picture of the Red Sea, which was death to those who were opposed to Christ or opposed to God, and it was life to those who were with God. And we read in Exodus chapter 16 about Marah, the bitter waters, that was death to the people. But Moses saw the tree, and he took the tree and threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And we showed last week how this is a perfect picture of the throne room of grace, the throne room in heaven, that Jesus Christ was the one who died on a tree, tossed in the water to make it like glass, able to be walked right across. Jesus Christ is your hope. He is your salvation. Now, all of that being said, it doesn't end there. As we continue on, we're going to see these four living creatures also overlay the tabernacle, and it's going to show us that it's not just us. And, and I've I've pushed and I've pushed and I've pushed in here to proclaim to you that the truths that I speak to you from the word of God, that God speaks to me, I give to you not so that you can hoard them up and, and be greedy with them. Ain't like what my pastor gave me. No, you are to take them out of the world and just give them out. Just give them out, much like what we did yesterday. Just give away. Churches say $10,000 is the stupidest thing that I've ever seen. If one soul was saved, if one person, that seed was planted, what is a dollar? My God owns a thousand cows on a thousand hills and a thousand Cadillacs and a thousand garages. What is a dollar to the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we need to give as it has been given to us and not just financially. I am not asking you for your money. If you love it, keep it. I'm telling you right now that God has blessed you with his own presence and if you go out into this world and you radiate the glory of God, just like Moses and just like Stephen, you will draw men to yourself because you've lifted up Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you and warn you that I promise you this, that there will be some people that will hate you for it. Just like the people who hated God, when Moses came back down and they were, he was radiating the glory of God, they said, put that junk away. 
here is what we know, that the light has come into the world and the darkness hated it. And Jesus Christ said, if they hated me, why in the world wouldn't they hate you too? My paraphrase. So you fill up full of the glory of God, and you get your worship on. And then when you go out into the world, you just carry it with you. You see, we, we like to do these five steps to evangelism. That's great, fine, whatever. But I'm telling you that the way that we evangelize the, in the most fruitful way is we sit before the Lord, and we soak in the glory of God. And when we can't take it anymore, we get the heck out of the house, and people go, what happened to you? And you tell them about Jesus Christ that filled you up slam full. Ain't that what everybody's looking for? Everybody's looking to be filled up full. You know, Ecclesiastes, I talked to the high school this past week. I talked to Bible class because Deb was out. And, and they just lost his ball in high weeds. And this is the most sound Christians that you can possibly find in Landrum High School. I feel so sad. I, there was one kid in there that I was, I was thoroughly impressed with. But I talked to him. I talked to him about about the fullness of God. I talked to him about Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. I said, I said uh, to a boy that wasn't even a Christian, I said, I said, let me ask you this. I said, I'll set the Bible to the side for a second. Let me ask you this. Does everybody that you know in this school, do they continually long for something all the time? He said, yes. Not even a believer. I said, you want to know why? He said, yes. I said, because God's placed eternity in the heart of man, and they keep throwing stuff in and can't fill the hole up. Only the glory that radiates from the throne will fill that hole up. And when the hole gets filled up to where it's spilling over, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, that, that, that well that springs up to life, and you just, bleh, you know, that's, that's true evangelism. It's like, have you ever heard of Jesus? <laughs> right? That's true evangelism. When you get that on you, everybody notices. Right? Everybody notices. And so we need that glory. And that's, that's just kind of an intro to this sermon. I ain't even got started yet. But, 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 but we need Jesus. We need the, to be radiated full of the glory of Jesus Christ. And then we take it to the world around us with the power of the Holy Spirit and all these other things. Now, what today's sermon is going to show you is, is that, that all of creation was made to do that. The scriptures say the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare, and the sky shows his handiwork. Now, we know that that turns some people away. It draws some people in. It, it'll draw some people in to ask more questions. That, that general revelation, will, they will long to know more. And now everybody longs to know more. We, all mankind is 24-7 worshipers. That's just the truth. It's how you were made. What you worship is the problem or the glory. Okay? So what, we, what we're going to see today is, and I, and I didn't even think about, uh, Josh, that song, and all the earth will, you know, that's, that's what this is speaking of. That all the earth, the, all the, every creature, every, every minuscule little creation will cry out for the Lord Jesus Christ at the end because he is what's needed for everything. You know why? Because Christ is all. Christ is all. Now, let me actually get to the sermon. All right, now look, I had to set that up because here we are. We've got the throne room. I drew this up here last week. I wasn't going to draw all that stuff uh, again. But we had uh, the, the elders, 24 of them, that were seated around the throne. We said, we said there's different understandings of the elders. My understanding of the elders is that is a representative number of all of those who have come to know Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, some consisting of Old Testament saints who was credited with righteousness, as we know Abraham was. Some consisting of the New Testament through the uh, through th that was representative of uh, the new covenant, but all of these are one people seated around the throne. So we can talk about that another time. What we know then is that the, the jasper and carnelian was around the throne, the rainbow was around the throne, and the elders were around the throne, and they were radiating the glory of God. Now, there are some other things around the throne as well. It says here, around the throne on each side of the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to say, on one side, there's a lion. On the other side, there is an eagle. On the other side, there is an ox. And on the other side, there is a man. Now, what we know here is that 
this seems to be very representative. Now, everything in Revelation, now some people would disagree with me, okay? And I'm not the guru of Revelation. But from my understanding, the vast majority, well over 90% of, of Revelation is, is it's symbolic. It's, it's meant to convey a message. It's not meant to be taken literally. So as we read through and we understand, we know some of it is meant to just paint a picture for us. It's meant to be figurative and not literal. As we go through, we understand that that is exactly how Revelation is written. So I don't think that he would switch it up right here. I do believe this is figurative language, and it's meant to convey a message here. And one of the me- Now, I think there's a couple of messages here that I can derive from the text, and you test it yourself and see. So it says, around the throne on each of the uh, on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings. I'm not even going to try to draw that. Are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So what we know is, is that whatever these things are, they are continually proclaiming glory and worshiping and, and crying out, Worthy, worthy, worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and worthy is the Lamb who was. Uh, um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I said the Lamb because the. Oh my goodness, I can't talk this morning. I'm going too fast. I said the Lamb because we see in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, we see these same creatures uh, glorifying the Lamb too. I'm going to go ahead and read you that because it's going to be significant. 5.13 says, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So we see that these creatures, these four living creatures are continually giving praise, honor, and glory to him who is seated on the throne, to God Almighty and to the lamb who is worthy. Now listen, this is going to get a little bit better. Now what I'm going to say is that these are representative of all creation. So this is just insights here, okay? I didn't, I didn't derive this from here, but just reading some commentaries and saying that, that sounds pretty good. That the lion is the champion of his class. He is, the, he is the top of the food chain where he is. The eagle is the top of the food chain. He is the, he is the top of the line when it comes to uh, birds. Oxes are the greatest and strongest of all of the working animals in that day and probably still to this day. And man obviously is at the top of the food chain where he is. And so this is, this is a representative picture of all creation, which I think bears itself out in chapter 5 as well. So we, let's continue on, though. It's, it's right here in the, in the immediate context, too. He says, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying... Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. You see it? And by your will, they existed and were created. So he turns here from this present glory. He didn't really turn away from it, but, but to... But to bolster and, and, and give even more significance to the glory of the one on the throne, he now turns and says, you are the one that created And it says here very specifically that you created all things. You see, I'm telling you this morning that that Christ, through the prophet John, through the apostle John, is calling us to recognize that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. He's the creator of every creature on earth. He grew every tree. And this is significant for this reason. That none of these, none of these would be fulfilling their true purpose without giving honor and glory to God. Without reflecting the glory of God. Any created being that does not reflect the glory, the purpose of its creator is a purposeless, useless, broken creature or vessel. You want to know why you're broken today? It's because you don't radiate the glory of God. And the only way that you can radiate the glory of God is through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, who made the water still. And you always wonder, why does he leave me beside still waters? 
You see, we need Christ in order to be who God has called us to be. If you're turned upside down, flipped inside out, and you don't know why, I'm telling you right now that you need Christ in your life. You need to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and brought into perfect harmony, perfect relationship with God so that you can enter the throne room of grace, so that you can get help in a time of need. Now, some of you say, well, I've been saved before. I I professed that I was a Christian. Well, whoop-de-doo. I'm telling you right now. You may be a Christian, but a lot of people can't tell it. And you can't tell it either. And I'm not getting on to you. I'm pleading with you. Maybe you are a Christian. I I don't know. But a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. All I'm telling you is, is that if you're a Christian... If you're a Christian and you have no victory, you have no peace, you have no, you have no wherewithal, no perseverance, that's not to say that you will not go through struggles. My, my wife and I right now, we're going through, not with each other, not battling with each other. We're fighting not to battle with each other because life is kind of hard right now. Got some issues in the business, got some issues here and there, and we're trying to figure all that out, and we're reminding ourselves that Christ is always faithful. So we will be faithful to encourage one another that the Lord Jesus Christ has this, that he created it all. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're doing, and we're going to wait on him and see what he's got for us. Amen? Amen. But see, what I'm saying is, is that many of us, though, who who claim to be Christians, we have no perseverance, we have no power, we have no peace, but it, it may not be because you're not saved. That's between you and God, okay? Examine the fruit, examine your heart to see whether or not you be in the faith. That's what Paul says. What I'm telling you is, is that let's say you are a believer, okay? If you don't have any of what I just said and you're like, man, that sounds good, then I'm telling you the, the... the solution to that problem. And it is to sit before the throne of God and soak in the glory that's radiating from the throne so that you might radiate it back out. And I'm telling you that this will put foundations up under you that when the storms come, when the trials come, you will be able to stand and you will not fall. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you right now that that's the truth. That's the truth. Well, let's see. So we, we understand from the scriptures, and we could go through chapter 5. We could go back to Genesis and the creation event, and we can kind of bring out some more things. But that's just one side note that I think that this is representative of all creation. And let me say this. The 24 elder. Now, this man is representative of mankind, but it's not representative necessarily of believers that are seated around the throne. Don't you forget that. This is not representative of you necessarily or specifically, broadly it is, but you, if you're a believer, now I'm talking to the to family of God, those that are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are seated in, in around the throne, okay? And you have a crown, your robe, you're, you're dressed in a white robe, and you have actually a throne. We've already seen that. And that means that you have dominion over these things out here, okay? Now, some of you are very weak and pathetic in your Christianity. Now, you say, that's a really hard word. Maybe so, but all I want you to know is you don't have to be weak and you don't have to be pathetic. You can walk with authority, boldness, and power that does not come from you. I am not saying to be proud, but I am saying if you will walk in the glory of God that you can walk with power and boldness and authority, and when you walk into a room, life walks in with you. If we want to transform, you can go ahead and clap on that. That's God, not me. If we want to transform the community, if we want to transform the county, if we want to transform our world, then we will walk in the glory of God. And when we walk into the place, the evil will flee and the righteous will come. Amen? Now, let me say this. I'm going to go practical for just a minute. I can't stand what's happening in my city. I can't stand it. You say, what you talking about? I'm talking about the drugs. I'm talking about the alcohol. I'm talking about the the sexualized, perverted nature of those that are out there. And they they are preying on your children. They are preying on my children. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to stand by. And I'm not up. I'll come down there and sit in that chair and preach this message if you want me to. I'm not saying this because I'm up on this stage trying to be somebody. I am in my own personal life. I have vowed and declared that I got to do something about this. I've got three boys that are growing up in Oak Hero School. 
I've got a little girl that's going to be coming right along behind it. Maybe she's the one that spurred, got a spur in my saddle. I don't know. But i got to do something, guys. And so do you. I can't do it on my own. I will do as much as I can. But I can't do it on my own. I'm talking about I'm getting crazy ideas. I know a couple of drug houses I'm about to run up in. I'm telling you. I got a crew. I saw last night there was about to something go down. I turned around. I had five guys behind me, and Angie was over there. Tell them, Angie. We'll walk up in on somebody, right? Listen, all jokes aside, <laughs> she was. She was ready to, ready to rumble. <laughs> I was like, they didn't know who put this event on. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, I do believe that there's physical things that we can do. There are. You want to know what it is? When you see that guy, that girl, that whatever that is dealing in the darkness, they're dealing darkness to our children who we're raising in the light. They are competing with us. Now, I know that our, our battle, our war is not against flesh and blood. I understand that. It's against principalities and powers of the air. and I understand all of that. But there's some of them people under demonic influence. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not talking about putting hands on somebody, you know, depending on the situation, you've got to protect your family, but I'm not talking about putting hands on somebody, I'm talking about proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming it wherever you go, wherever you go. And it should be a lifestyle for you. I'm not telling you to develop five plans to, 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 to spread the gospel. If you need that, then do that. we got some of those templates and pamphlets, and you, I'll give them all you want. If that's what you need, I'll do it. But I'm telling you, you won't need it. You won't need it. Half of us don't sit in the presence of God. Half of us don't know the Holy Spirit. Half of us don't know what it means to not be able to keep your mouth shut. You know that annoying Christian? Don't give him too hard of a time. He can't help it. I'm telling you. The man of God in the Old Testament said, it's like a fire in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. I cannot. I will not. I will not, and I can't. I forgot I was preaching. <laughs> Woo, man. Now, listen, I remember where we were now. You got dominion if you are a believer. If you ain't a believer, come see me afterwards. Jesus Christ will give you dominion too. But if you're a believer, you've got dominion over this world. You've been called to go out and to multiply, to, to subdue the earth. That was the call to Adam, and he screwed it all up. But Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, came and redeemed it all that we might be able to do what God called Adam to do, but he failed. Jesus Christ is the second Adam. Now he's called us to come and do what Adam did not do. And he's already started it. He's already started it. He's inaugurated the kingdom. He's inaugurated the new Jerusalem. He's inaugurated the new heavens and the new earth. And he's called us to go out and make it happen. You say you're a Christian, but are you going forth into all the world baptizing and making disciples? And this ain't no feel-good message either. Get off your rump and get on the hump. I didn't even, I was brand new right, right there, right then, just made that up. Now, I got to move on because this is good right here. This gets even deeper and even better. Check this out. So we know this is representative of all uh, creation. We see that uh, later on in this when he's the creator of all things. Through him they find their existence and through him all things were created. So this is representative of the created order and that all the created order are represented here as giving glory back to God, okay? Or radiating his glory back to him. Now, Further understanding this comes from an understanding of Genesis chapter 49, several places in the Old Testament where the tabernacle is laid out. And as they traveled uh, through the wilderness and when they would camp with the tabernacle there, you're going to really like this. This blew me away, okay? I want, you to, I want you to check this out. I don't know if I'm in the right spot, but we're just going to keep on rolling. I know I want to show you this, so we'll just do it. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures. <sighs> Full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature uh, like an eagle. Now, do you remember in the Tabernacle series where I was showing you that, that the, the different tribes would camp around the Tabernacle and they were called to be situated in a certain order? Do you remember that? And we went through in that series, we went through all the tribal names and we showed you how the, the, the names of the Old Testament 
uh, tribes, tribal leaders, when, the, when you put the original meanings of the names together, even in order of birth, it tells the story of Jesus Christ. You remember that? That was pretty cool. Now, these tribes were situated around the tabernacle in a certain order. And every, uh, every uh, group of tribes that was situated around the throne, they uh, marched under a banner. Three tribes on one side, three tribes on the other side, three tribes on the other side, three tribes on the other side. And they were said to be situated uh, east, west, north, and south. Okay. Now those tribes were, I'm going to write it this way so you can see, Judah on the east, okay, uh, Issachar, and Zebulun. The tribal banner here is lion. On the north was Dan, uh, Dan, Naphtali, And I knew my memory would fail me. I wrote it down, though. No worries. Oh, my own son, Asher. Over here was Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Their tribal banner was the eagle. Their tribal banner was the ox. And for man, it was Reuben. Gad and Simeon. Man. Okay? Now you see how this is starting to line up. Check this out. When these, when these tribes were counted, as they were laid out, they had different, different numbers of people within each tribe. Some of them got bigger, some of them got smaller as they went through the wilderness, as they tried to uh, be pleasing to God and figure out what that meant. This, these tribes put together ended up with a number 186,400. Now, I want you to see something here. The reason I'm doing this like this, like this is, is like this. <laughs> I knew my wife caught that, so I had to draw attention. Is that these, these were called to be situated around the tabernacle in this way. Uh, east, west, north, and south, and they would maintain their direction. So we, we understand, and the commentators that I read that, that I saw some of this, and then would understand that when, you, when they say to the west of the tabernacle, and remember this is the tabernacle here. The Holy of Holies is right here. This is crazy. So the tabernacle would have been here. These guys would have went to the west. And the tabernacle, remember it had a wall specifically designed that way. This would have been the east, I mean the north. This would have been the west, and this would have been the south, okay? So 186,400 people would have had to have camped somewhere in this region right here, okay? Now, the tribe of Dan, Asher, and Naphtali was 1,000. I don't know if you'll be able to read this. I'm sorry if you can't. 1,000, I'm 157,600. So it would have went this way, and they would have had to camp in that section. Reuben, Gad, and Simeon was 100, 150, 1, So it was about the same distance that way. And then Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin with the ox was the least. So it would have been a shorter distance out through there. At 108,100. It doesn't stop there. The eagle in Dan and Naphtali and Asher represented the prophet. The ox represented the priest. I know you can't read this, but I'm putting it up here anyway. This represented the son, mankind, and this was king. Prophet, priest, King and son. Now, what failed to happen was for all of creation to glorify God and reflect the glory of God. Mankind failed. Check this out. Now, I didn't know whether I'd 
was going to bring this out or not, but I want, I want you to read this. I, I'm doing this for you because I want you to see just how amazingly God ties everything together. Check this out here. Now, this is set of Reuben. I can't go through all of them, but I can go through this one. This is set of Reuben, who is right here, who's representative of mankind, okay? Now, Adam was the first, Adam was the first man, and he was called to do something. What do we say he was called to do? To go and subdue the earth, right? To, to uh, abound and to subdue it and to, uh, he was to have dominion over it, right? But he failed. Now, Reuben is representative of mankind in the 12 tribes of Israel. This was what it says of Reuben. Listen to this. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. So these this, this man is representative here of mankind being born and being uh, dignified, being preeminent, being powerful. But we know mankind wasn't because Adam fell. And that's why Jesus Christ came as the second Adam to be the firstborn of all creation through which mankind would experience redemption, right? Now listen to what it says of Jesus Christ in Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You remember what it said about Reuben and who he was supposed to be, who he was picturing? For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He brings it all back together. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus Christ is who Reuben was pointing to. Jesus Christ is who Ephraim was pointing to as priest. Hebrews says that he is the high priest, the last one that we need. He is the prophet. He is the one who, who Moses pointed to. He's the greater Moses. And we know that he is the king. We're speaking of his throne. You see, all of this is to overlay and to show us that the whole time the picture's been painted from Genesis to Revelation, that Jesus Christ would come to be the second Adam, the Son of God, who would do the priestly work and the prophetic work and the kingly work to bring the creation back into what God had originally created to be in. Now, all of this is unfolding before our very eyes. You say, what in the world has that got to do with me? I've already shown you. We preached hard on it just a minute ago. You are here. You are around the throne. You are represented here. Some of you remember, man, it's, so, it's coming together. You see it coming together? Do you remember the spiritual gift series that I did? Out of Ephesians chapter 4, it said that he gave some to be prophets, uh, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You remember that? Well, you see, God has gifted you in certain ways. And some of you have more priestly gifts. Some of you have more prophetic gifts. Some of you have more kingly gifts. And some of you have more pastoral or son-type gifts that you take and go and leave. This is what I'm talking about, is that God is calling all of you who are true believers to radiate the glory of God in the way that he's called you to radiate in order that you might display the cross. It's all about the cross. You think that's an accident? From day one, it's been about the cross. And let me tell you, let me tie this together here. Man, come on. Here's what happens when you see this. How you can sit in your seat, I do not know. Because here's what happens when you see this. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns, they cast their crowns on the ground before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Some may say this as an arrogant, prideful sermon that says, you're telling people they're more than they are. No, I'm not. 
When I tell you to go forth in power, you do that in humility. Because when we realize the power and the glory and the majesty of God, we don't, we don't say, that's right. Me, powerful man. No, we take our authority and we slam it onto the ground and we say, why? Why, Lord, why me? Well, I'll do whatever you want, God. I'm humbled before the Lord. You get on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and embarrassment? Embarrassment? I'll make a fool of my, myself for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are they going to do? They got no hope outside of, of Christ. And I'd venture to say that they can't see Christ without you. Because who will know if there's not a preacher to go, if there's not one to declare the gospel, how will they know, John? The people at your work need to know. The people at my work need to know. The people where you are, Gary, they need to know. And if that's too hard for you, I'm sorry, I don't know what else to do. Because if we don't take the gospel... I'm not putting work on you. I'm not putting work on you. I already told you. The best way to do it is not to work a plan up. The best way to do it is to be sick with the glory of God. Sick with it so that you're puking it on everybody around you. You ever ate too much of something real good? I got time to go. Man, we was moving. I didn't even, I just now looked. I done broke, broke my board and everything. Look at that. Man. Mike, Mike, can you take care of that for me? Well, let's look a little more. This is good stuff. I might let you go a little early. <laughs> I heard that, babe. She said, yeah, right. I want to say, I want to, I want to do one more thing. Now, <laughs> let's don't forget the overarching theme of Revelation, or one of the overarching things. One of the overarching things for Revelation is perseverance and power that is received in the face of persecution. Yeah, come on up. Now, we know that because John... Uh, from the very beginning, said, I am a partaker with you in the tribulation and in the kingdom. So he's saying, now, these two run parallel to one another. They're, they're congruent. They've they're both been inaugurated. They're both running parallel to one another. And I'm telling you that the tribulation is going to get harder, but the presence of the king and the reality of the king is going to get more prevalent. And as you go through and enter into these hard times, this is the cool part. Not only will God sustain you through the trial, but he will use your trial to build the kingdom. So, so now I know I've just told you you're going to go through heat. But, but I don't offer, I, I don't offer a, a, a poverty theology. I don't because when I say that you're going to go through heat, I, I bring with it purpose. You see, going through trial and struggle without purpose is hard. It's really hard. It's, it's impossible. You crumble and fall apart because you say, what's the use? I give up. And you fall into a, a pile of, of, of dust and ashes. But to go through a trial and a persecution, knowing that, that you have a, a purpose, that, that you have a reason for this, it, it, especially when that reason is Christ. Only when that reason is Christ does it come up under you and it, and, it, and it scoops you up and it says, I hate to say this, but I must. Bring it on. Bring it on. My wife's like, wow. But you see, I must say with the scriptures, though he slay me, Though he slay me, here I am to worship <laughs> This, this right here, people of God, 
You open up your ears, people of God. I know not all of you are, but I know there are children of the King in this room, and you have not been walking in the power and authority that God has, has put on you, and I'm calling you right now to action. I'm calling you to another level of power. I don't care anything about church. I don't care anything about any of that. Not that traditional, I just go, I don't care about any of that. I am calling you to another level of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Power with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. One way, one way that I am attacking the drug dealers. One way that I'm attacking the pedophiles, one way that I'm attacking the drunks, is I am preaching the Word of God to you that should spur you on to get over there and reach that drunk with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he's radically transformed, he will be a, a, a statue, a declaration, a proclamation of the gospel of Christ and what Christ can do. You see, you see, Amen. You see, here, here's, here's, here's Christ's plan. And this is the beauty. He's, he's a ninja warrior. You know what Jesus does? Oh, if I had another five hours, I could show you. You know what Jesus does? All the time, all the time, he snatches the weapon out of the enemy's hand and cuts his own head off with it. I'm living proof. And I don't say that in pride because I was in a ditch. I could go through my testimony. I'm living proof. Donnie, Dunaway, where are you at? Stand up. That man's living proof right there. That man's living proof right there. I'm telling you right now, God's changing something. All I ask you is, you want to go? You want to go? I'm going. I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going. And I don't care. We're going to find a way. We're going to find a way. Because I can't contain it. And I know that man can't. And that man can't. And that woman can't. And that woman can't. I know you can't. The key is, and I'm going to sit down and show everybody to your feet so you know I really am in it. The key is this. I don't mean to, I don't mean to really slam the tracks and all that. Use them. I, I just using that for dramatic effect, okay? Use them. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, I won't apologize about this. A track does not hold a candle to the radiating glory of God beaming from a man of God or a woman of God's face. You want to be okay? You want to be more than okay? You want to be filled up, slammed full till it's running over? Get into the presence of God. Get into the presence of God of the Lord Jesus Christ who is seated on the throne. Get into his presence and you watch him use you to do amazing things. Amen. As the lights go down, I'm going to pray for us and I want you to come and do business with God. Maybe, maybe you're one of those Christians that you ain't doing nothing. And it may be that you're not even a Christian. We can talk about that. But it may just be that you've never been called out like that. Maybe it's that you just been putting it off. Maybe it's like, you know, you, King David slipped. He slipped up. He done something stupid. But you know what the cool thing is? Is that King David post Bathsheba was way more powerful than King David pre Bathsheba. He was a, a, a weathered veteran. He was, able to, he was able to see things that he couldn't normally see. He was able to speak into things that he couldn't normally look into. Speak into so I just call you, come one, come all. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of all.